0: Welcome to the Five Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week, another episode of the Five Nine podcast. As always, my name is Alejandro Pinera, your host part of the Fierce Wireless team, and I'm very excited this week. We are uh, speaking to U.S. Cellular once again. Those of you who subscribe and listen in will have, of course, heard the interview a couple of weeks ago with the CEO, LT. And today we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the technology that he was referencing and how U.S. Cellular is working to tackle that all important digital divide. And I'm really excited to talk about that today with Adriana Rios Welton. Head of Legal and Government Affairs at U.S. Cellular. Adriana, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me, Alejandro. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Excellent. All right, well, let's let's get started here in terms of where your area of responsibility is at U.S. Cellular. So if, from what I understand, you started your role pretty relatively recently in, in June of, of last year, 2022, um, overseeing, of course, legal and government affairs at U.S. Cellular. Can you tell us a little bit of what, about what that experience has been like, um, and and what you're focused on.
0: Sure, happy to. Um, You know, what brought me to U.S. Cellular is the mission of the company. I am very uh, deliberate about joining companies with which I can connect to. What is it that we're trying to do every single day? We spend so much of our lives at work. And for me, that means doing something at work that I think is valuable and that I think is kind of moving the ball forward positively for society. U.S. is such a unique company in that we really grew out of a mission to connect people that are hard to connect, either because the financials are a little bit challenged or because the territory is challenged, uh, and to do that in a way that, that brings the technology to them much sooner than they would have gotten it. Right? if they would have gotten it at all from other providers. For me, that's that's near and dear to my heart. And I've loved joining a company for which that's just not my passion. It's LT's passion. It is the passion of our board members. It's the passion of our associates who go to work every day to get people connected to what matters most to them. And that has thankfully proven to be true Throughout the organization, sometimes you join companies and they seem very passionate, and then you get in and it doesn't quite jive, right, with how people are making decisions. But at this company, you know, it, it's really true that this is centric. Um, so in that way, it's been a it's been a delight. Um, I have, as you said, legal, regulatory, and and government affairs. So basically, our advocacy branch. Um, on the legal side, I have been very focused on helping our team to rise to this moment of risk-taking that we in this industry have to take. It's a very challenged competitive environment, right? Um, great for consumers, lower prices, MVNOs coming in, but we are in a very capital-intensive time uh, and are having trouble, right? F- finding ways in which our capacity can be used. So it's at those moments that the business needs to get creative and take really smart risks. LT is someone who pushes us in, a, in that direction. And as a legal community, we sometimes can get stuck on, on the risk and not see the possibility and the how to make it work. Um, so I've been really focused on the team and, and how do we enable the business to take smart risks? How do we do this in a way that's compliant, uh, but that you know allows us to, to move the ball forward? Um, you know, so that, that's been really exciting from that direction. And then on the kind of regulatory and government affairs side, our big focus of the last few months has been how do we contribute to the conversation around the infrastructure funding that is, as you said, you know, unprecedented amounts of money that is coming into the ecosystem to connect people. We are uniquely positioned to be in a cross section of conversations between the states, who we've been allied for a long time between NTA, the SEC, the, the Hill, and bring our experience to bear so that we can help certain practical elements of the bill uh, and of how the bill is going to come to fruition to be looked at, so that you know we set things up correctly from the start and allow people to get connected, whether that's through U.S. cellular or through fiber or through another provider is less important to us than making sure that this program is successful, because again, our mission, right, is so tied to the mission of this program.
1: I love it. Yeah, I love um, thinking about how people now not only shop based on purpose and the values of a, of a brand, but in a company, but also find uh, where their challenges and their professional roles are. I think that's a really important message to, to start with. Now, I, I wanted to pick up Adia, on the on the point you were making there Around that point of connecting everyone, which is is part of the ethos, as you were explaining, uh, of U.S. Cellular, and and that comes with a focus on on providing service to rural communities. Um, now, LT was very clear in his interview that you know it's a lot more expensive to build a tower or bring connectivity in a in a rural space than it is, of course, in a city or a more um, populated area, and I assume of course, that the, the, you know, the economics are tougher as well. So, you know, keeping in mind that, as you say, this is really a, a core value of U.S. Cellular and something that you're working on, you know, uh, very, uh, with, with great vitality, you know, how are you managing to maintain that focus, given these cost challenges that I was mentioning?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a challenging financial equation, right? And it is the reason that you see us as the fourth largest provider being focused on it, but that it's taken some of the other providers a longer time to get there um, to these same areas. It's just, you know, you have fewer people to take advantage of the connectivity per tower that you put up, right? And that challenges the economics. And then the process of rolling out connectivity to rural America because of the landscape because um, of the topography, right, can sometimes be really, really challenging. Uh, But as you said, it is our business just to ground us. 41% of the population that we serve is rural. Um, That is in contrast, I think only 14% of the population in the U.S. is rural. And we are in 21 states, so we're scratching the surface, right? Um, I think one of the things that distinguishes us is we are really committed to partnering with local governments and the federal government in how we bring connectivity to people. We've become experts in, you know, we know if we're going to Altoona, Pennsylvania, that there's going to be a lot of rocks, right, Um, because it's mining country. And that means that it's going to be really, really hard to roll out the fiber to get to the tower. And so how do we think about a product like fixed wireless in the context of that topography to help amplify connectivity for folks same thing in Oklahoma, right? Um, I think LT mentioned one of the programs we, we just launched in rural North Carolina where we were able to connect people. It's a really hard topography where to connect people. And we are able to get there because of our partnership with local governments. Oftentimes that partnership does include some sort of funding element. Uh, and we are, of course, great partners to the federal government too, in terms of you know funding um, through the universal service program, and others that enable the economics to make a bit more sense so that, you know, we can lean in and be more efficient in how we service these folks and in how we um, implement the technology. But, you know, we got a little bit of help along the way in making the, the economics work. Um, you know, we've just at the state level had a lot of success in partnering with Nebraska. We just got another um, Nebraska universal funding grant. I mentioned the North Carolina grant. We just got a grant in Maine to bring connectivity, fixed wireless connectivity through some communities that have been hard to serve. So it's through a combination of really understanding the infrastructure, what's going to be challenging in each place, and how best to amplify the technologies and lean on partnerships. And, you know, frankly, getting some financial support, right, from government programs that can help us to bridge the gap between what's economically viable for us and what uh, actually needs to to be invested in to get that community connected
1: yeah absolutely and I, I think that last point is uh, is crucial i mean we we've had quite a few episodes on this podcast already talking about that funding opportunity um and how you know some folks call it a once in a generation time you know you've got many different pots of uh whether it's federal or, or even down to the state um, uh, funding becoming or already available, right? The Infrastructure Bill, uh, Rural Development Opportunity Fund, many, many others. Um, now, here at, at Fierce, we, we've been reporting or have reported that U.S. Cellular is looking at applying or planning to apply for BEAD funding. Um, and I'd love to, to get your opinion on what opportunity lies there for U.S. Cellular with BEAD especially given its, it's fiber, it's preference for fiber.
0: Absolutely. Um, as I mentioned at the outset, we've been really engaged on this because with our conversation with the states, which is just part of you know, our doing business and bringing connectivity to these communities over time, one of the first things they said to us was, help us to make sure that we have an open ear at, on the federal government side. To the fact that we need flexibility to be able to use different technologies to connect people in different locations. And if we are forced to make a binary choice between fiber and nothing else, then the repercussion will be that folks will either not get connected because it's not going to be financially viable to take fiber out to every single person. Uh, every single location or because it's going to take 10 years for that deployment to happen given all of the topography type issues. So the states have asked us and we have in turn conveyed that message to our federal partners to make sure that there's flexibility embedded in how they can serve their folks. You know, They know best, right, where they have tried to get fiber out before and the project has failed they know best where there are certain areas where they've gotten aerial fiber, right? Hung fiber uh, out to communities. And that has worked for a very limited amount of time because there are tornadoes and other things that, that are not readily available to those of us who aren't sitting there in those communities. Um, so I think that will be a key. And uh, you know, certainly I think there's an understanding that at least in some states where the funding is going to be challenged to get to enough people uh, then a number of different alternatives are gonna have to come into play. The way I think about it, Alejandro, is in every single state, you're gonna have some areas that are more obvious fiber candidates, right? You're more densely populated areas or areas where there's already enough fiber infrastructure where all you have to do is close off a few gaps, right? Then there's areas where other technologies are obviously gonna be the better focus, you know, that one house that's very, very far away from every other house or every other location, right? And then there's the big swath in the middle of areas that have a combination of issues. Some places that have, you know, enough fiber connectivity where it makes sense to roll out more fiber and you can do it topographically, and some areas where that's gonna be a challenge and a technology like fixed wireless access can help you bridge that gap. Um, so we've been working with states and with the federal government to, to figure out, you know, where those areas exist, where technologies like fixed wireless can really come into play. Let's make sure states have the flexibility to do that and to build their plans in the way that's going to be most effective. Um, you know, we've done a lot of work with Ericsson, for example, to try to understand which states are going to be challenged from a funding perspective And there's so many things to think about, you know, to me, as we dug into the analysis that Erickson did, one of the things we had to think about is, well, how are you going to how are you going to presume that fiber is going to get to the specific location? Are we presuming just kind of a straight line right uh, around the property or are we presuming that you have to go along the road in order to get there? Well, nine times out of 10, especially in rural America, where the the area in between places that would be most direct is farmland, you can't put fiber in the middle of farmland, right? So you have to go across the road. So what does that mean, right? That means you have to lay down more fiber, though not the most direct route. And you have to put that in as a component of how you think about okay, how far is this money going to reach. Um, so as we start to dig into those very specific issues with the states, you start to see in states like Nebraska and states like Oklahoma, there's just not going to be enough money to connect people with fiber alone. Even if you could get fiber right through the the rocky ground in Oklahoma, it's still going to be hard to get there. So the mission is get everybody connected, and I think NTA and Congress said, uh, rightly so, that. You know that there are several technologies including fixed wireless access on licensed spectrum that need to be part of the solution to get to that overall goal
1: yeah i, I think that's a great point because you, you can't address all connectivity issues with just one set of technology right it's it's going to have to be a a, a partnership and a, a, almost a case-by-case profile of each location and the economics involved in, and that of course brings immense uh, complexity but but there's no way around it that's that's how you have to look especially in a country as diverse and uh, and varied as, as the US and you know you've, you've mentioned fixed wireless access quite a bit in, in your answers already um, and it's something before we started recording, we were talking about MWC that happened recently in Barcelona and how, you know, we were, we were surprised, or at least I was, in terms of how often people were talking about fixed wireless access. So clearly it's a technology that's gaining uh, backers and gaining interest. Um, uh, LT mentioned some incredible or what I thought were some very impressive numbers in terms of, you know, the success in bringing subscribers, but also their experience already with a, a, an early flavor of fixed wireless access. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess it'd be great to to dig in a little bit more into what you think the opportunities are there for, for FWA. Uh, if there's any doubters there, you know, you can, you can hopefully bring them around and, and, you know, does it compete with fiber? Does it complement it? I guess from your answer, it kind of goes together. But, you know, what does that picture look like?
0: Absolutely. Let me let me take uh, a few of the points that, that you just made, because I, I think it's critical. First, just to level set, right? When fixed wireless access, when we speak about it, we're talking about it's fiber to the tower, right? And then from the tower, you load the tower up with spectrum and that you use that spectrum to beam a connection to the home. And there's a receiver, and antenna, either inside or outside of the home that brings a broadband connection to the home, um, much in the same way that, that fiber would bring that broadband connection. Um, And it's obvious that fiber is a component of this technology, right? And that a partnership with fiber fiber providers is going to be necessary in order for us to get the most out of uh, not just the money that's out for B, but really anytime that we deploy fixed wireless. As you said, it's been a really new technology that's gotten a lot of uptick. Um, For us, you know, we've grown the market 2x in 18 months. That's incredible, particularly when you consider that we are still using low band spectrum, right? So people are getting decent speeds, but not great speeds yet. But as we deploy mid band spectrum, those speeds are going to skyrocket. We have been doing a lot of demonstrations of the technology. So probably akin to what you saw at Mobile World Congress, uh, but we've been doing them, you know, in states where we have people who are maybe doubters of the technology to give them a flavor of this is what we mean when we talk about fixed wireless today. Um, you know, we did a, a tech demo with um, Senators Capito and Mansion in West Virginia. Uh, we just did one in Missouri. We did one in Wisconsin. We're about to do one in Iowa next week. Hopefully, bringing together a lot of pieces of that community. And we're doing that because, as you alluded to, there's a lot of doubters out there about fixed wireless. I think we're all used to thinking about the first time fixed wireless got some hype. It was, you know, probably a decade ago and it was not very reliable. Right. Uh, It was a technology that that we all had a lot of hope for, but the infrastructure wasn't there yet. But now with 5G, it is. Um, And as we deploy mid-band, it'll be even better. We on our mid spectrum, we're seeing download speeds of like 300 down, right? So that is as good as any fiber technology out there and more than most of us use in our homes, right? At any given time. So we're really bullish about the technology. I'll give you a couple other facts I use to kind of myth bust around uh, fixed wireless because I, I think it's important. Um, you know, it's, so it's as NTA and Congress rightly um, said in the bill and, and and then in the implementing legislation for BEAD, it is a reliable technology. We can get reliable speeds uh, of 100 over 20 on midband band spectrum for sure. Uh, and in that way, it's the same as fiber, right? It's also scalable in that once you've got your spectrum on that tower, it's going to be really easy to upgrade it, right? And you're going to want to upgrade it, not just for fixed wireless, but also for mobile, which is another great benefit of fixed wireless. When you have fiber to the home, you're just helping that home to get connected. If you bring fixed wireless into a community, you're not only helping to connect the communities, that you're not only helping to connect the locations that you know, put their antenna in and buy your wireless broadband product, but you're also bringing wireless mobility, right? Mobility connectivity to that community. Um, And that is a big plus that, that often gets overlooked. But when we talk to states, that's top of mind for them because a lot of the places where you don't have connectivity for broadband in rural America today are places where you also don't have mobile connectivity. And the choice between your cell phone and connection in your home, you know, it's, it's a terrible choice to have to make, right? It feels like a false choice in this day and age when being connected is so important. So fixed wireless can get you both for basically the same amount of money. It's the same spectrum that we're gonna be using and it's scalable because it's easy to upgrade. You know, research also says that 5G-based fixed wireless access can reduce the cost of establishing that last mile of connectivity, which is often the hardest, by 40%, right? So it's also more economical. Um, And you have fewer permitting and labor and supply chain type issues just because it's a simpler, you know, it's a simpler supply chain, right? It's fiber to the tower. And then from there, you can take the connectivity to many locations at once, um, so hopefully that helps to bring on some of the non-believers to to this. Um, you know, I, I think it's a very exciting time for the technology, and I'm really looking forward to helping these communities get connected, not just at their homes, but also you know with with mobility uh, through this through this product and seeing seeing how we can make a difference.
1: Well, there's there's no better way to dispel doubts than than to have facts, and, and that's surely the case with with what you guys are doing over there um let me broaden then perhaps the conversation a little bit because this all comes down to as you say connecting everyone being a priority so so it's going to be addressing the the digital divide right so it's it's getting everyone connected and interacting in the digital economy and having all the opportunities and leveling the field in that sense whether it's um in un or underserved areas, or even with with more affordable uh, connectivity for for everyone. So I like to ask people who who live in this world and who are working towards that goal, it, how optimistic they are. Are we on the right path? Um, are we doing the right things? And and you know, you you live in this regulatory legal uh, world, um, so you're seeing all the initiatives that are kicking in. Uh, all of the efforts, both at a political, but also from a, uh, a, you know, from a U.S. cellular perspective, are we on the right track? Do you feel optimistic that we're doing the right things?
0: I I do. I feel very optimistic. Um, and I feel privileged to be sitting at this chair in U.S. cellular at this moment in time when so much funding is going to go to fulfilling our mission, right? It's really our collective mission of, of making sure people Don't get left behind. I think there are tweaks and practical things in the legislations that, you know, if we can get it right from the beginning, it will help go a long way. There's things like the existing high cost threshold that NTIA established in the NOFO. You know, if you set that too high, you're going to preclude technologies like fixed wireless from coming in and being part of your solution. Um, you know, and there's other details like that, that we are very involved in helping to solve, again, not just for you cellular, but, you know, for this ecosystem, we believe in everybody getting connected, whether it's through us and, and others, we're, of course, going to fight for as much of that pie as we possibly can get, right? Um, we're not a nonprofit, certainly, um, as mission driven as we are, but, but the moment is, is important. The focus, I think, is correct. The pandemic taught us just how important getting connected is and how much not being connected can really have negative repercussions in all of our lives from you know telehealth right to to school and homework and to us being able to do our jobs i work remotely from new york you know that would not be and it's where i need to be with my family even though the company's based out of chicago and i do a lot of work in dc so without connectivity, I would not be able, right, to, to have this job. And without connectivity, my bosses wouldn't allow me this flexibility. Um, so that's a small microcosm of my life. But, um, you know, I'll just say I grew up in Latin America. I grew up in Venezuela until my teens. And then we moved to the U.S. And I spent most of my life before coming to work at U.S. Cellular working um, in Latin America or on cross-border deals. And much of the same is, is true there as it is here, right? The, the fact of connecting people can be life-changing uh, and can bring their ability to participate in society to a whole different level. Um, so I think the focus on getting people connected is, is correct. I think uh, we've got a lot of bright people with their right intentions working on solving a really complicated problem. And I'm thankful to have a seat at the table to, to help us think through this in the most effective way for you know rural America and suburban communities who we can be a particularly effective voice for.
1: Absolutely, and I think if you ever need to hear how important connectivity is, you know, I I um I asked my dad how how we would have coped with COVID when he was working some 20 years ago um, in in Brazil or Mexico, and, and he has no idea how how we would have gone through that time because uh, it was impossible. There was there was no infrastructure there. So, I, I, you know, I think that uh, we've come a long way, but there's obviously a lot of work to do, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and you see, I'm sure, you know, with your dad's perspective and, and yours today, we still see such a gap between those who are able to get connected and, and those who are not. We tend to think about connectivity as ubiquitous to, today, and it is for a portion of the population. But that portion of the population that is not able to participate in getting connected well is, you know, just so much further behind. And it is so much more difficult for them to participate in, in our economy and in life in a meaningful way because of it. So I think as a society, we owe it to each other to level that playing field and to give folks the opportunity to fully participate. And connectivity is clearly, a, you know, now. Right.
1: Uh, one of the big important pillars of that. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Adriana, just before I, I, uh, you know, let you go back to what sounds like a very, very busy uh, job, I did want to ask you a slightly different question. And and it's one that, um, you know, I I asked LT as well in the previous uh, uh, podcast, where he, you know, he's talked about the importance of of putting phones down, of, uh, you know, not looking at our screens, which I totally get, and I can fully support as difficult as it might be to do at times. But it's funny to hear it. Well, not funny, but maybe counterintuitive to hear it from a, a tech company CEO and, and perhaps even, uh, you know, even more from a, a telecommunications company. Now, obviously, you've talked about, you know, your mission-driven approach at USL. I imagine it has something to do there. But let me see if I can get you in trouble here with your, your big... CEO, boss. You know, what's your opinion on on that, you know, line of thinking that we need to disconnect and that it's um, important not to be in front of your phone all the time?
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know that you'll get me in trouble because <laughs> I happen to be very passionate about this campaign that we're doing. You might have heard, you know, it's phones down for five is yeah. the the ticker, um, and we're encouraging people to put down their phones, whether it's for five minutes, or five hours, you know, or five days. And actually, LT's in the middle of phones down for five for five days now. Wow! Uh, so, you know, wish us all luck when he comes back, <laughs> and we get the flurry of additional communications right. back from him. Uh, but I think we'll get to hear from him about what that experience w- has been like. I'm really passionate about it personally because. Obviously, bringing connectivity and creating the opportunity for twenty-four-seven access for whatever it is that people need to do um, is something that's you know this is that's our business, right? And we're we're committed to that, and we take a lot of pride in doing that. But I, like everybody else, right, have these moments where I just find myself mindlessly scrolling on my phone. Um, and mindlessly looking at it just because it's there. And it's you know, we've got a notification or something else, you know, trying to get you to engage with this device. And I, as I mentioned, I have an 18 month old and, you know, he sometimes demands attention in a way that there's no way I could be looking at my phone. But sometimes, you know, when I could be playing with him, maybe I find myself looking at something, but I'm like, did I really need to be looking at that, right? Or should I be connecting with him? And I think once we take kind of the baseline that these phones are a key part of our life moving forward, then a company like U.S. Cellular that's so mission-driven feels like it's a big part of our responsibility to help people find a way to make healthy long-term relationships with these devices. And that means finding when to step away, right? Finding when to find times to have meaningful, genuine connections with the people in our lives um, face-to-face, right? And and dedicate uh, our mental power to them fully. Um, And then, you know, that's as opposed to constantly being connected and kind of not paying attention. So there's certainly a balance and we're not suggesting that people put their phones down and, and revolutionize against the technology, far from it. But we're recognizing the moment where we are all finding ourselves burnt out by the constant ability to be accessed right through the technology and our constant ability to kind of have our attention being driven away and asking what can we do to support people to have a better long-term relationship with these devices that are now going to be in our pockets right and and part of our lives forever And you know to be clear, my son gets to facetime with his family. they're not near us you know every day and that's been a joy for them to get to know, them right in that way, and for them to get to know him, absent being there in person. So there's roles for that technology in connecting meaningfully too. But the part of putting it down, focusing on what's in front of you, seems to be missing from the conversation. So we want to bring it back to to remind us of just because it's there, it doesn't mean it's the right thing for you to be doing right now for your family, for your well being, and we're here to support whole of you, not just the you that's using our pipes to connect with others.
1: But I love that. And, uh, you know, I have a very similar experience in that my two-year-old loves to say, no phone, no phone. But <laughs> I think we've all been there as desperate yeah. parents or tired parents that uh, you just find yourself scrolling around. But I, I can see why that's important. And I know that a lot of work is going on in the industry to make that a healthy relationship, you know, with technology. So I, I think that's a, a valuable message. Well, Great, Daliana, thank you so much for, for joining us. I've kept you here for, for a long time now. So I appreciate you taking some time off your busy day. Um, and yeah, I look forward to, to catching up as you guys continue to expand on all of these wonderful things that, that you have going on within the U.S. Learning Network. And, and as you said, it's a pivotal time. So there's going to be a lot to talk about down the road.
0: Yes, thank you so much for the opportunity. Appreciate it.
1: And to you, listener, thanks for joining us yet again here at the Five Nine podcast. We'll catch up soon, I'm sure. Until then, don't forget to subscribe. But we'll be back in your feed next week. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to The 5.9, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast. Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites.
1: FierceWireless.com, FierceElectronics.com, FierceTelecom.com, and FierceVideo.com. See you soon.